Timothy Putnam. Thanks for tuning in to Outside the Walls. I'll be your host for the next hour as we look through the foundations of our faith, looking to church documents and scripture, as we explore the implications of that faith on the way we look at the issues of our everyday lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live our lives outside the walls. Oh, we've got a great show today. We're going to be talking with Jennifer Fitz, blogger on the Pathios Network. Her blog is Sticking the Corners with Jennifer Fitz. And she wrote a great post, uh, August 23rd, entitled, Is Your Parish Your Community or Not So Much? We'll be putting a link to that up on our social media. And then we'll be talking to her in the next segment and the one following and the one following. We're pretty much going to focus today on community and uh, how do you develop community? What does it require of you and and uh, what does it require of your parish? So we're going to be looking at that coming up. Very excited about it. Uh, we're talking about loneliness. It's something that we all deal with. Uh, you know, uh, so much of our society is built around being independent of one another. You know, you pull in the the garage and close the garage door with the electric clicker. And then, you know, you've got your nice air conditioned house. So we all stay inside cause it's hot. Right. Uh, and you know, we, we've lost some sense of community that used to be, or at least, uh, we've got a picture of it having previously been intrinsic. Uh, you know, it just happened and now it doesn't just happen. Now we have to make it happen. Maybe it's always been that way, honestly. Uh, but we're just not as good at it as we used to be as a, as a society, as a whole culture. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at community today. Uh, but first, as always, we're going to approach prayer and scripture in a reading from church history. Now, this is my show. I get to do what I want. And so normally we do the readings from the day. We'll do the Saturday reading uh, as, as is common for us. Uh, but I'm changing it because it's my show and I can do what I want. Uh, so today we're going to be actually reading from September 9th. It's a Wednesday, but the reading there is a little bit closer and connected to our topic of the day. And so that's, that's where we're going. And uh, you're just along for the ride, right? So let's pray together as we begin our time together. Let us celebrate the kindness and wisdom of Christ. He offers his love and understanding to all men, especially to the suffering. Let us earnestly pray to him, perfect us in love, Lord. This day we recall your resurrection and we long for the benefits of your redemption. Grant that we bear witness to you today and offer an acceptable gift to the Father through you. Enable us to see your image in all men and to serve you in them. Lord Jesus, you are the true vine and we are the branches. Allow us to remain in you, to bear much fruit and to give glory to the Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we praise you with our lips and with our lives and hearts. Our very existence is a gift from you. To you we offer all that we have and are. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today, as I said earlier, we're going to be reading from Wednesday's readings coming up. And so our first reading comes from Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Brothers and sisters, 
If you were raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ your life appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Put to death, then, the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and the greed that is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. By these, you too once conducted yourselves when you lived in that way. But now you must put them all away, anger, fury, malice, slander, and obscene language out of your mouths. Stop lying to one another, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed for knowledge in the manner of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. That reading again comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, one of my favorite chapters, and we'll get into that uh, as we get through with our readings in Scripture and church history. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 145. The Lord is compassionate toward all his works. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. The Lord is compassionate toward all his works. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. The Lord is compassionate toward all his works, making known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is compassionate toward all his works. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Luke. Again, when I say today, I mean the reading that we're doing today, which is actually the reading for this coming Wednesday. Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Raising his eyes toward his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice, and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. But woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. That reading again comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. I went digging a little bit today for our reading from church history. I uh, opened up my Verbum Library, great program. We've talked about it here in the past. And just as a reminder, if you're looking to study the Bible, this is an excellent program to help you do that. Uh, and if you mention our show, Outside the Walls, you say you're a listener to Outside the Walls, you'll get a discount on that base package when you call in. 
Uh, you can find out more information about them at verbum.com. Great folks who we uh, are very grateful for. And it's a, just an excellent program. So what I did, I typed in our first reading today. And I said, I want a, a reading from the Church Fathers that deals with this idea of uh, striving to be holy, of putting off those things which belong to our former manner of life and looking toward uh, living in unity and community with one another. And this is what we came up with. So today's reading comes from a homily of St. Macarius the Egyptian. In coming to the Lord, a man must thus force himself to that which is good, even against the inclination of his heart, continually expecting his mercy with no doubtful faith, and force himself to charity when he has no charity, force himself to meekness when he has no meekness, force himself to pity and to have a merciful heart, force himself to be looked down upon, and when he is looked down upon, to bear it patiently, and when he is made light of, or put to shame, not to be angry, as it is said, beloved, avenge not yourselves, to force himself to prayer when he has not spiritual prayer. And thus God, beholding him thus striving and compelling himself by force in spite of an unwilling heart, gives him the true prayer of the Spirit, gives him true charity, meekness, mercies, true kindness, and in short, fills him with the fruits of the Spirit. But if a man forces himself only to prayer when he has no prayer, that he may obtain the grace of prayer, but will not force himself to the meekness and humility and charity and the rest of the Lord's commandments and takes no pains or trouble or striving to succeed in these as far as purpose and free will can go, sometimes the grace of prayer is given to him in part with refreshment and gladness from the Spirit according to his asking. But in character, he is like that that he was before. He has no meekness because he did not seek it with pains or prepare himself beforehand to become so. He has no humility because he did not ask for it or force himself to it. He has not charity toward all men because he has no concern or striving about it and is asking for prayer. And in the accomplishment of his work, he has no faith or trust in God because he did not know himself, did not discover that he was without it, or take any trouble at any cost to himself, seeking from the Lord to obtain firm faith toward him and a real trust. For as everyone forces and compels himself to prayer in spite of the reluctance of heart, so ought he to force himself likewise to trust, and so to humility, and so to charity, and so to meekness, sincerity, and simplicity, and so unto all patience and long suffering, according to that which is written, with joyfulness. And so to think little of himself, and to esteem himself poor and last, and so not to engage in conversation to no profit, but always to meditate and speak the things of God with mouth and heart. So also not to be angry or clamorous, according to that which is said, let all bitterness and anger and clamor be put away from you with all malice. To all the ways of the Lord, to all practice of virtue and of good and noble living, to all behavior of goodness, to all humility of meekness, not to be proud, high-minded, or puffed up, or to speak against anyone. That reading today comes again uh, courtesy of the Verbum Library from a homily of St. Macarius the Egyptian.
And he's unpacking for us this passage out of Colossians 3. And really, if I had a life verse, right, it would be this passage out of Colossians 3, because everything in the Christian life is is bound up right here in this little passage, uh, where Paul is talking to the Colossians, and he's telling them, here's how to be. Here's our new ethic of life as people uh, who belong to Jesus Christ. And so he talks about the things to, to let go of, our anger and clamor and bitterness and all of this other. Uh, and he talks about really looking at the other person as family, right? Looking at the other person as, as part of us. There's neither Greek nor Jew nor uncircumcised or circumcised, a barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. All are in, in this together. We're all in this together. And then uh, the passage goes on, and we didn't read it, but the passage goes on not just telling us what to get rid of, but then it says, Now, dearly beloved, as chosen ones, put on, and then he gives us this list of things that we're to do. Uh, and, and this is, uh, in a similar way, what we have St. Macarius talking to us about, of forcing ourselves. Uh, by an act of the will or something that Paul talked about, therefore I buffet my body, right? I, I discipline myself to do these things. And, you know, we don't like this idea of discipline uh, when it comes to our our moral life. But when we want to get in shape, we recognize that, hey, I need to go to the gym and I need to force myself to go to the gym because it's not something I really want to do. I need to force myself to that diet because it's not something I really want to do. And yet I know that it's good for me. I know that it's right for me. And so we're asking now, St. Macarius and Paul as well, are asking us to do the same thing with our spiritual life, to recognize those things that are good for us, even though we might not like them. Uh, And so Paul talks about uh, putting on, you know, I think, you know, we put on clothes in the morning. It's not our natural state. It's not something that we uh, we're born with, but we see the benefit in it, right? And then we choose, we go to the closet and we put something on. And that's what we're asked to do by Paul. Put on, he says, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience, and then goes on. Oh, and it's a beautiful passage. And so today we're going to be looking at what do we need to do? What do we need to put on? What actions do we need to uh, add into our lives to create community in our parish? In the very beginning of the Bible, God says of Adam and says of us, it's not good that man should be alone. He made us for a community. Join this conversation over on our Facebook community, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, or on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Jen Fitz about community and giving away a great book by Sherry Waddell. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Wait, that's not the normal bumper music. (laughs) Oh, well, welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. I don't want to talk over it, you know? Oh, we're talking today with Jennifer Fitz, blogger on the Pathios Network, on her blog, Sticking the Corners. Uh, And this last week she posted, or maybe a week and a half ago, she posted an article on community, a little quiz to see if your parish could pass the community test. Uh, And to some extent, it's whether or not your parish can pass. And sometimes you've got a parish that can, but maybe you can't pass 
the community test. Uh, and so I thought it was appropriate that we start with America's this is for all the lonely people because we live in a society uh, that we don't know our neighbors anymore. You know, you, you see the old, uh, the old movies like The Sandlot, one of my favorites, where all the neighbors see each other all the time and they all go out and they play on the sandlot. And those days seem to be largely past and uh, for any number of reasons from... Uh, from social media to air conditioners to electric garage door openers, uh, we've done everything we can to isolate and insulate ourselves against those people who are around us. And I, I thought it was just such a great piece uh, that I invited uh, I invited Jen on to talk today, not only about, uh, about the lack of community that we seem to be facing in our world, but about some very practical steps on what we can do to change that. How do we, because all of us feel the need for community and yet, we also don't know how to go about that. So, Jen, thank you for coming on to the show today. Glad to be here. So let's talk a little bit, first of all, about the lack. Um, what is it mm-hmm. that you see that, that uh, it looked like it was maybe a little bit of a rant? So what, what were you experiencing uh, generically? Well, you know, I, what I see is that people, as, as you say, have really lost touch with with what it means to be a community to a point that they have a very low standard mm-hmm. and in their idea of community. And, you know, and just to be in the same place once a week is, is almost considered enough because that's so radically more than what they would otherwise have. And, right. and I thought, you know, I have seen community work so much better and so much more. And that's what people want. People don't want to be just, I show up and then I go home. Right. People want to be connected. They have that need, and that's a, you know, that, that's a well-known um, measure of, of human happiness is are you connected? It's a, you know, the, the two go together. And, right. and so I really wanted to say, okay, let's talk about what your parish as your community would really look like mm-hmm. and, and see if you've got that or see if you don't. You know, I've experienced this a number of times, and, and part of it is being on church staff uh, in the various places I've been, it even compounds because uh, you're working when other people are supposed to be having community, and, and mm-hmm. then they all assume that well he's leading the thing, so of course he's he's in the midst of community, and mm-hmm. you know going in the Protestant church from the various places I worked, I always felt a lack of really being able to connect uh, on a on a level beyond hey good to see you are you going to be there at practice right 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 yeah. One of the characteristics of our culture is we have a very fragmented lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I shop in one place with one group of people. I go to work with a different group of people. My kids go to school with a completely different group of people. Uh, we do sports with somebody else and so on, and we go to church someplace else. And right. so we have these isolated things, and you you feel for a while like you belong. And, for example, my daughter's on a wonderful sports team, and it's a great group of people. But if she's not playing that sport, she would no longer be seeing that group of people on a regular basis. Right. And okay. Plato, Plato would talk about that as being a friendship of utility, uh, like a, a working relationship. Right. And what we have is working relationships in every part of our life mm-hmm. and, and not that kind of integration of our life. And that's uh, one of the reasons I put up some of the questions I did about, you know, do you find your social life in your parish is because that you know that that integration is part of being a community because it's about living together and that's your whole life not just um, you know not just going to mass but mm-hmm. are you are you living as Christians with one another in in day to day life 
you know, that makes sense. Absolutely. Something that, uh, that my, my bishop said a while back in the conversation, uh, we were talking about this whole idea of American uh, rugged individualism. And he said mm-hmm. the, the problem isn't individualism because individuality is a wonderful and diverse thing. The problem yeah. is, is that we've become a people who are ruggedly independent of one another. So it's rugged, mm-hmm. rugged independentism. And we've got this idea uh, that uh, almost Pelagian in the idea that if I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps, then somehow I am failing as an American. I'm failing as as a person because that's the ideal that we've got uh, is right. self-sufficiency is the measure of whether or not you can you're a productive person. And yet that's mm-hmm. not Christianity at all. No, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking about, in contrast, the, um, the way that social media is a way we demonstrate that we are connected. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we post pictures of ourselves with our friends. We post pictures of ourselves doing things that prove we have community. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and I don't, and I, I love, I love to see the photos that, yeah. that all my friends post. I'm, I'm in favor of this. I, I adore cat photos. I'm all about it. <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, but that tells you yeah. how much we, on the one hand, measure our independence as, as, a, as a value of our worth. And on the yeah. other hand, we, we do say that connectedness is a measure of our worth. And of course, neither of those are the measure of our worth. Our, mm-hmm. our worth comes from our, you know, inherent dignity as, as humans made in the image of God. But, but it tells you that we have these competing ideals. And, well, and, and both of them are reflections of something that is important. Yeah. Um, and with social media specifically, that there's the appearance of a connectedness. And maybe there's, you know, you can shoot off a couple of uh, platitudes, uh, indiv- individual chats and things, or comment on someone's thought. But, but truly connection uh mm-hmm. really isn't fostered very well through the social media platform it's it's more of a uh, an acquaintance level kind of a communication you know it's a funny thing because i um when i returned to the church i found a lot of support my husband was not catholic at the time mm-hmm. and i found a lot of support online and and there are two different tensions there that both are something important we can learn uh, one is that i did develop a deep friction uh, friendships, in particular, with a private um, NFP-related discussion group, where you could talk about your struggles with natural family planning, mm-hmm. because you know things get very personal very fast. Yeah, <laughs> making making decisions about family life and about your talking about your marriage and and so forth. And and you would say, you know, you know, one of my favorite people lives in Western Kansas. I don't live in Western Kansas, mm-hmm. and it's we, you know, we have seen each other for real twice in our lives. And, and, you know, I would love to live right next to her. I'm like, okay, well, this is what heaven is about, is we get to live next to each other in heaven. But, right. but we don't. And so it's like when you have that deep interconnection, you want to experience it physically. You want to see this person in real life and do more than just talk about mm-hmm. the personal things. And the flip side of that is that one of the reasons that I and many others have turned to the Internet for yeah. uh, spiritual support, for discipleship, is that there wasn't an obvious place to look for it in real life. And I have been fortunate since that time to see opportunities for discipleship to grow up in my area uh, mm-hmm. physically, where I can actually get together with ladies I know, and a wonderful community has built up uh, where I am. But, um, but a lot of people don't have that. And, and so they go online looking for, looking for that need to be filled 
that isn't being filled in their parish and, and is a real need. We talked about this a little uh, offline before we before mm-hmm. we got on the phone here about the, the Catholic model uh, of going to mass really isn't set up to foster communication and uh, not not communicate yeah. isn't made to foster community because community was expected that you're going to the same parish with these people because you live in the same region, which means you're going to the same stores and you're going to the same schools. And and our culture has largely changed the way that we go to church, right? We will pass our parish and maybe two others to get to the church that we're going to uh, mm-hmm. outside of our own regional area. And so, mm-hmm. and, and yet we somehow have just still expect that community is magically going to happen. And a number of people have begun really taking a look very carefully at this and beginning to do things in their parishes that fosters community. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to be giving away the book later today, Forming Intentional Disciples with Sherry Waddell. And it's a great book because in Forming Disciples, you have to be intentionally together. And being intentionally together creates community. The way that Jesus made community was he called 12 guys together and made them walk everywhere they went for the next three years. Uh, can you imagine being in a 15-passenger mm-hmm. van with 15 other people everywhere you went every day? Uh, well, I mean, maybe you can. Uh, it would, it would make you want to walk. It would make it, you want to walk. Because <laughs> then you could, you know, the, you get on the other side further across the road from them. I'm not talking exactly. to you today, John. Uh <laughs> So we're, we're diagnosing the problem. We're going to spend some time uh, after the, the break. We'll spend some time coming to some solutions. Uh, but the biggest thing is recognizing and not waiting for someone else yes. to begin creating community. You know, Absolutely. We, we're Absolutely. always looking for some program or some thing to do. And sometimes it's just as easy as going over to someone that you've sat down the pew from for a year or or, oh my gosh, even worse, going up to someone you've never seen before and inviting mm-hmm. them out to lunch. Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. What, 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 uh, what, what an amazing thought of, hey, you're obviously looking for something here and I'm here and would you like to, you've got to eat sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big thing and um, people don't know how to make friends mm-hmm. and so they don't make friends. And they're afraid to make friends, and and it's scary. I mean, I've I've done the inviting people, or even just starting a conversation and having somebody look at me like I was nuts. <laughs> like, okay, move on. I, I guess you didn't come to this playground looking to meet somebody, you know, after mass or what have you. I've got um, five kids. They already look yeah. at me like I'm nuts, right? <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I know. You have to put yourself out there, and you have to do some trial and error to. You know, to find those those deep friendships that are going to be built with the people you really click with, and mm-hmm. and not everybody that you have a lunch with is going to be that deep friend. Right. Um, right. Although there's there's time and a place for you. Not everybody's going to be your best friend, and they can they're still part of your community. That's right. And and that's important too. Well, we'll talk some more about this just after the break. We want you to join the conversation. Become part of the community. Go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Or if you just want to be by yourself, you can give me a call on my comment line, 918-928-KPIM. And let's talk about community. Have you found it where you are? Later in the show, we're going to be giving away a copy of Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples. You're going to want to stick around for the whole thing. 
You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Oh, we're talking today about community with Jen Fitz. She's a blogger on the Pathios Network on Sticking the Corners. Uh, We're talking today about fostering community right where you are, right in your parish. So, Jen, thank you again uh, for not leaving me all by myself here on the show today. Great to be here. Oh, so we're talking, we've talked, we've diagnosed the pro, the problem in the last segment there, talking about really the lack of interaction and not knowing maybe how to make friends, not knowing, you know, waiting for some magic program out there. Uh, and some of the problems mm-hmm. that I, I've experienced really is you've got these great programs and you go and you sit in the program and there's a Bible study or there's a video that you mm-hmm. watch together and you're all in the same room and it's it's the same thing when the program's over everybody Mm -hmm. get up maybe they chat a little bit but it's all kind of small talk and nervousness and and then everyone's gone Mm -hmm. and it's like didn't we just do this at mass right right so how do we uh, you know how do we foster then community right well you know i think that um we we hit before the break a couple of really key points and the first one is that it does have to be about discipleship Mm -hmm. because if we're not focused on discipleship, then we really are just a golf club with music. Um, we're not, there's nothing special. You know, it's, yeah. it is the Christ at the center of our lives that makes Christian community worthwhile. And it's living out that experience as, you know, being the body of Christ in yeah. a body is something that is, you know, physically intact. Um, that is the reason yeah. for the community. So if that's not the, the fundamental reason, it's, it's beside the point. And if it is the fundamental reason, then, then in the process of being disciples and studying together and doing the works of mercy together and worshiping together, you, you start to have that living together and, and also a, a supernatural bonding in your you know, common mission of, as Christians that, that fosters community in and of itself. Yeah. So I think that's the fundamental thing. Well, and you know, that, that supernatural part of it is Paul talked about we are the body of Christ. And just like food strengthens the body, uh, it strengthens mm-hmm. the whole body and not just our member of the body. So that when right. we together as a community partake of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, nourishing us uh, individually, mm-hmm. yes, because we are individual, but also mm-hmm. corporately. And I think that's something right. that we miss because we go to Mass for ourselves. Uh, we go to Mass right. so that I can get fed, so that I can make it through the rest of the week. And yet, uh, we are there to be fed corporately as the whole body as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and remembering, too, that, you know, our participation in the Mass, you know, we have something to offer for mm-hmm. for the Church. Right. Um, you know, we're not powerless there. We're, you know, participating in, in Christ's sacrifice. Um, and, and then the second thing that, um, that we, we talked about earlier was, was the social skills and that whole idea that you will 
you know, you do have to take initiative to meet people. And, and it's strange. I mean, I, I pose the question, do you know uh, the first and last names of the people you sit near? At, at mass regularly, mm-hmm. you know, the, not not when you're off visiting some other parish, but, you, you know, your right. spot that you're usually at. And I can't say yes to that. I know some of the names, mm-hmm. but not all of them. And I don't think most people know my name. And it, you know, sometimes I, I want to say, hey, get name tags. Get name tags. Just put them on. <laughs> Just be embarrassed. Be goofy. It's okay. Um, but, you know, that's, and, and, you know, and you see, you know, parishes make the parish directory so that, you can, you know, see the face and look up the name, but well, that's a little bulky. It's a little hard to do. Well, and even, um, even yeah. beyond that, I mean, let's think about that from the community side of things. So here I am, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hunkered down in my air conditioned home with all the lights off except one. And I'm pouring over this directory to make sure that I've got the <laughs> names right next time. Right. Right. So, I mean, wouldn't it just be easier to go up and say, you know, I know I've asked you three times and, and I'm just really bad with names. I am so sorry. Can you remind me of your name again? Right. Yes. Yes, and it's, you know, it's a chicken and egg because you don't talk to people and ask them for help and invite them to things if you don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. But you get to remember people's names by doing things with them. Right. And, and then, of course, then there's the awkward one. Um, you know, I've been involved in some larger group events where you might see somebody for two or three years <laughs> as, as part of a program and still not know their name. And it's, it's awkward. You know, like, well, now it's kind of late to ask, but... You know what, uh, you know what I do? I'm awful. I'll go up and I'll talk to them in the first person without ever addressing them until someone else comes up and says their name, and then I'll immediately mm-hmm. use their name so that I don't forget mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. No, I always admire people that can remember a name long enough to keep using it in that first conversation because mm-hmm. that's a skill. Right. You know, you, you meet somebody and you keep repeating their name and repeating their name as you talk to them. And I'm like, yeah, if I could remember a name that long, that would be great. You know, I was just talking with Terry Barber from Lighthouse Communications last week about this mm-hmm. idea. And in evangelization as well, it's important to talk mm-hmm. to the person by their name and get their name from them and then use it. And that's just a good communication skill. Uh, but what came up in that discussion is when we do that, we reflect God because God calls us by name. Right. right. And so yes. th- there's something of uh, we feel valued when someone calls us mm-hmm. by name. Yes. And, yes. and so, you know, even even going to the grocery store, practice in the checkout line, they have name tags. And then just right. kind of get in the habit of using people's names. Uh, and people take notice because our society generally doesn't use names. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, I'm so and so. Oh, that's great. I'll I'll never say it again, right? <laughs> Unless we're across right. a crowded room, and I just really want to get your attention. And and so there's something personal uh, and and attention getting about a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, you know I'm not a natural extrovert. I'm like like many Catholics. I'm a shy Catholic, mm-hmm. and and the people who are very uh, prayerful tend not to be very. Uh, extroverted people who are very studious tend not to be very extroverted. And so there's a lot of us who are very serious about our faith and terrified of of that practice, of talking to the grocery store clerk by name and so forth. We feel so awkward, and it's something you have to practice. It's something that doesn't come naturally to me at all, and something that you just have to decide, you know, when you're doing something at church, all right, we're going to be a little goofy. We are going to put on name tags. We are going to have a mixer where we, you know, force ourselves to meet other people, um, and we recognize that we're just we're just kind of geeky, and that's okay. And we, you know, maybe we need a little help with those social skills, um, and that's all right. Um, you know, something I wanted to get onto next 
in the building community is that this isn't something that your parish staff does for you. Right. And, you know, and there are things your parish can do to encourage community. I've, um, you know, whether it's uh, social events, uh, I've, you know, heard great success with game nights that have sort of a hmm. uh, religious theme, but are, you know, allow you to have lots of conversation. I've seen parishes do a great job with hosting an event while the kids are at religious ed so that the adults can get together, whether it's for adult faith formation or prayer or service or whatever it might be, but, um, you know, providing those opportunities. Uh, so the parish can do things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the community that, that has formed around me, my, my personal Catholic community, the place that I'm plugged in in the church, was just ordinary people who said, let's, uh, let's come over to, let's all come over to my house and we'll study a book. And in fact, Sherry uh, Waddell's Forming Intentional uh, Disciples was one of those books and a, and a big book in our lives. When we said, whoa, we're supposed to keep doing this. This is great. And... Um, <laughs> You know, but it's, you know, come on over, let's uh, let's have all the moms get together and read Fulton Sheen. Wow. Or let's, um, you know, let's let's have the girls get together and do little flowers. Or the mm-hmm. guys just want to play basketball. Let's have a bunch of Catholic kids come over and play basketball together. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be the parish. Um, I do think the parish is important. We've been blessed uh, in our area with clergy who are willing to open the parish to new initiatives. And, you know, I had a conversation uh, this spring where I explained uh, for, for a, a, a parent and youth group that we were, we were forming, I, I said, you know, I don't need a building because the Baptists have a gym if I want to do sports. The Orthodox have been wonderful about giving this particular group of families uh, a meeting hall when we want to meet. We've got connections because, you know, we happen to be people who've lived in the same city. We, we've got friends. Yeah. We're welcome. There's all kinds of churches that will open their doors. But if you want the Catholic Church to be the place and you want this to be a Catholic event, it has to happen at the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And, and and we were we were open with wide, wide open arms, and it was wonderful. Um, you know, and, and the, there are priests who recognize the value of that, of, you know... <laughs> There, and that makes it possible for people to come in. When you host a parish event, anybody can join. It doesn't just have to be, you know, if it's in my living room, it's going to be the people that I know. If it's at the yeah. parish, then people can walk in off the street. They can come in from the pews, and they can, you know, plug in it's in a, a way that they don't have to have that invitation. They don't have to know mm-hmm. anyone before they show up. Yeah. And, and so that is, is so important as well. It's amazing what a parish staff will do in terms of opening the door when you don't need anything from them. <laughs> hey, I've got this yeah. thing that I want to do. We're inviting these people, and um, all we need is a space. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Do you need me to show up? No, you don't need to show up. Here, here's the key, <laughs> you know? But they, they, <laughs> right. want, they want to do things that are going to help foster community. Yeah, and you have to, um, you know, and that's a challenge for the church to be that, to, mm-hmm. to get over um, well, we've never done this before. This is different. Well, we already, you know, we already have one women's group. How come there's another, you know, we already have one mom's group meeting on Friday mornings. How come you want one on Tuesdays too? Well, there are moms who can't make Friday right. and, you know, or there are moms who want a slightly different format or their yeah. kids are a different age or what have you. And, um, so, so that flexibility is something that not every parish has and that's something you have to have. Um, and it would be limits, but yeah. We'll talk about this a little bit more after the break. And as well, we'll be giving away Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples. 
We're talking today about fostering community right where you are in your own parish. Join the conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Stick around. There's a little bit more left. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Glad you could stick through the break. We're talking today with Jennifer Fitz. She's a blogger on the Pathios Network. Her blog is pathios.com slash blogs slash Jennifer Fitz. Really easy to find. The blog's called Sticking the Corners. Lots of great insights uh, about being a Catholic family, a Catholic mother, and uh, just really going through life. Great stuff there. Uh, so uh, we'll put a link up on social media. I hope you'll go and take a look at it. Uh, we're talking today about a post that you did recently, Jen, on mm-hmm. how to f- recognize if your parish has community. Uh, and mm-hmm. and we've talked about the importance of not waiting on your parish to do it, but just going mm-hmm. out and doing it. Uh, we've yes. had, we do at our house uh, brunch most Sundays mm-hmm. because brunch is something that's really easy to expand, Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. pancakes you you add a couple more eggs you add a little bit more flour and you're good Uh, and so we generally have the habit of saying picking out someone at mass and saying hey we're doing brunch over at our house after mass would you like to come over and we've had all kinds of people take us up on that and a lot of very strong relationships have been built out of that Uh, Mm -hmm. so the big thing is to realize that if you want to see change happen uh, then you start it you know, I, I tell people that the family, that that uh, individuals in the church, we are like the molecule. You can't get a, a glass mm-hmm. of water until you have a bunch of molecules of water. And you add a little mm-hmm. bit of, you add a couple of coffee grounds to that water and all of a sudden the whole consistency of the thing has changed. And so if you want mm-hmm. a friendlier church, be a friendlier person. If you want a community in your church, then do things that foster community. And we're going to help right. folks do that today. Uh, by giving away mm-hmm. Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples. So we're about to give away that book. And what we're going to do, we're going to ask for a story today. And you can do that by going to facebook.com slash step outside the walls, leaving us a message there. And uh, I want you to give us the hashtag uh, forming community, hashtag forming community. Uh, and you can do that also over at Twitter. Our handle is at outside the walls. You're going to give us the story Hashtag forming community. Uh, why don't you give us the criteria there, Jen? All right. So the story you are going to tell is about a meaningful interaction that you had that was either about uh, forming community, about the formation of community, or that gave you some insight into what it takes to form community. All right. So you're going to go over and give me that story on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls and give it the hashtag forming community. Uh, We just have a couple of minutes left. Let's uh, let's just take this all the way out. You know, I wanted to say about that uh, brunch idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dessert is another good one because you don't have to cook a whole dinner. Mm -hmm. And I, I would really encourage you to look outside of your own state in life. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're married, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to have single people at your house. If you're old, that's not doesn't mean you're not allowed to talk to young people. And and you need to kind of because that's essential is not being in our little silos and our little, you know, 
little little bubbles uh, right. because that's not what community is. And and to look for the people that don't have someone mm-hmm. and that are lonely and, and that you, you know, are hard to meet and, and be the person who invites them in. Uh, I think that's so important. You know, and some of the, some parishes have uh, the the donut time after, and that's always a difficult time for us because it's like the tables that they have set up perfectly fit my family with no extra room because I have so many kids. Right. Uh, right. But but you can still do it. You can find ways mm-hmm. to get the kids all sugared up, sit them over on the corner, and then have a conversation. Uh, right. And, and and just interact with someone in some maybe it's a little uncomfortable at first. Uh, maybe the conversation mm-hmm. feels stilted at first, but eventually uh, those mm-hmm. are the relationships that are really going to carry us through difficult times. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where community yeah. really shines is when you're going through the midst of either a joy or a sorrow and the community comes around you and, yes. and s- supports you. Uh, right. And, and you know, we, we always feel the lack of community when we don't have it, but we exceptionally mm-hmm. feel it in those times when we most need it. Yeah, and that's where living together is so important because I can say that I have been tremendously blessed, uh, you know, going through a serious illness a couple years ago, and Mm -hmm. because I was living with other Catholics, you know, I did have that experience of people offering meals, people, um, you know, I did see someone I knew from my parish when I was in the hospital, and and that's it's from all those connections, and those were people from different states of life. Uh, some of them weren't even Catholic, but participated in um, in the parish anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, but it's that through the process of living together yeah. that you build those relationships and that you find out what's going on in each other's lives because you're seeing each other. Um, you know, yeah. this is an exceptionally important point that I've worked in churches for a number of years. And one of the things that we noticed is there are some people who would get sick and they would get upset when they got better because no one came, but no one told us. Uh, and mm-hmm. so if you're in that place of need, uh, r- resist the urge to be mm-hmm. radically independent uh, and show a little bit of of dependence and calling out to the community because the community, what I've found is even if you haven't had a strong community there, if you've been present and they know the need, uh, we rise to the occasion. Yeah. And it's, and I think that's why it's so important that it's not all just rest on the staff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not the job of the parish secretary to make a casserole for every person who gets sick, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's not. And, and that's where having, that you, you've lived together with people and, you know, there's, there's only a few great casserole makers in every circle, but that person, you know, you need to be friends with that person That's and, right. and it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not that person. I wish I were, but, well, we're but gonna, I know who to call now. We're going to put a link up to that article. I want you to go take the test. There's just uh, several questions uh, and see if you can pass it. Is there a community in your parish? And if not, let's have a conversation on Facebook or on Twitter about how you might be able to do some practical things, uh, maybe get some advice from other people who are in similar situations about creating community right where you are. Jen, thank you so much for the time you've given us today. Super being here. appreciate it. And now comes the hard part. Sunday's coming. What are you going to do this week to help foster community right where you are? What's one action that you can take, a tangible action, that'll make a difference in the level of community at your parish? doesn't have to be anything big, just some tangible act. You've been listening to Outside the Walls, a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio. 
live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.